It's good, good. Everybody's thinking about Christmas under the stars. Thank you so, so much for that. Love uh, the time that we can gather together as a Hope family anytime. Um, and Blake, I might take you up on that uh, request. Where's Blake? Yeah, I might, I, might, I might take you up on that. I'd love to just uh, work, work through it and just see what the Lord's been teaching you. And um, I probably have more questions as well, and we can question together. There's a lot that we don't understand about Scripture. It doesn't mean that God is not knowable. He wants to be fully known. And so if you're here and you are searching uh, for answers to that question, I just want to say, you know, you um, we're thankful that you're here. And we're praying desperately that the Lord would just speak to you in a mighty way as we believe that God has spoken uh, through the scriptures and it's been um, uh, written down for us and preserved through the generations. It is inspired. It is powerful. It is lovely. It is beautiful. And we come before his word extolling the praises of God. We're in our, in our Advent series. My name is Steve. I'm one of the elders here um, at Hope. And I'm so excited for how our elders treat God's word. I'm so excited for Jake uh, coming in to preach uh, next week as part of our Advent series. And then you'll hear from Peter. And um, really excited to hear um, that Peter will be in town. On, and we'll be able to honor him and Alan as they uh, roll off as elders um, January 2nd uh, for a covenant member meeting. And we're really excited about that time and excited for what God has for us in this next season. Looking forward to the fast and looking forward to some new things that um, elders and, and the staff and, um, have been rolling out and thinking through. And I'm and, um, really excited for what God has in store for us. But if you haven't, I'd like us to just pause as we're going through this Advent series as we talked about unexpected the first week in, in the book of Micah and how God works in unexpected ways that counters our expectations to unimaginable mystery um, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38 about the mystery of the incarnation. And today we're going to be talking um, a little bit about unspect, unspectacular glory. I'd love for us to just stop and... Um, Ask God to speak to us. And uh, I had it in my heart, just because you were from Romans, <laughs> just to meditate on God. So if you close your eyes. After that exposition of Romans 9 through 11, Paul exclaims, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Father, thank you that you, your wisdom is inscrutable. Father, your knowledge and your greatness is beyond even the stars. Father, we just want to stop our busyness and our rage of grabbing Christmas presents off the shelf, knocking things off the checklist, 
we just want to stand or kneel in awe of you. You are so awesome and beyond words. Thank you that we have the privilege of coming before you. Father, conquer my pride, thinking that I can do this alone. Thank you that the preaching of the word of God is an impossible task and that I desperately need the aid of your Holy Spirit. Pray, Lord, for everyone's hearts, that as the word is rightly read and taught, I pray that, Lord, you would shepherd people today. I pray that you would grant them a greater awe of you today. I pray that they would receive a taste of your mercy and your love. Thank you for the great gift that you've given us in the incarnation of Jesus. And we worship you and give you glory forever and a day because that's what we'll be doing. Thank you, Father. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Well, that was unplanned. <laughs> uh, I didn't uh, plan to do that. But don't you love how God just works against our expectations? Aren't you glad that you have a God that goes beyond your mind? That's the God that we serve. And that's the God that we have and that we are talking about in Scripture today. And as we come to a really familiar passage in Scripture really familiar to me and familiar probably to many of you. Have you ever wondered whether, why would God, if this good news of great joy would be for all people, then why didn't God, because it's in his power and in his character, to just take a TV on the sky, make the biggest IMAX theater in, his, in the sky, and just do a panoramic, you know, a panoramic view of the angels singing and proclaiming the birth of Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about whether, you know, if this is really for all people, if you want all people to see you, God, then why don't you just peel back the curtain? God, why don't you just have a concert of praise and it'll be like a concert under the stars and we ain't going to be drinking coffee, we're going to drop our coffee. Because we would see the glory and the beauty and the splendor of the living God in all of his technicolor glory. We would all love to see that. Am I alone in this room? Who would want to see that? Amen. I got a few. Amen. Amen. Okay. I'm going to be a Sunday Christian and Sunday Baptist. <laughs> I'm going to say can I hear it? Amen. Amen. We would, I, we would love to see that. God, will you do it now? No, just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like the lights are just so bright, I can't even see anybody. Um, but we would love to see that. And the thing that, you know, as I wrestle with that and other questions, I think as I read through the Old Testament especially, <laughs> the more I kind of don't want that now, because if I were in my flesh, which I am, and yet I'm a believer, I'm protected by Jesus, I am righteous in his sight. He's transferred his righteousness in exchange for my sin so that I can go free. I mean, I would, 
I would love to see that, but yet I would be terrified. And you and I would just go down to the floor and we'd miss the entire thing (laughs) because it would terrify us so, so much. I love that God doesn't just work the way that I want him to. I love the fact that God doesn't do things according to uh, my eyes of faith, but he does things through the, his eyes and his sovereignty. And, and that means it sees, that he sees even the unspectacular, and those things are seen as great. And that's what I think what we see here in the flow of this passage. Look with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I just, I just love the fact that God chooses his ambassadors, and it's not a UN ambassador. It's not somebody in high-ranking office. It's not the president of the United States, the, pre- the, the leader of the United Nations. It's not an a owner of a multi-billion dollar company. In fact, he goes local. He uses somebody who you and I would never recognize. He doesn't reserve a spot on them for, on CNN or The Tonight Show with Fallon either. He invites these shepherds from just literally a mile away to announce the greatest news that has ever happened in the universe. And he's chosen them to be his ambassadors. Now you might be thinking, what's the big deal? Who are shepherds? Shepherds seem to me like a really good, um, a really good profession. Um, you get to just kind of stay out, out, out at night all day and, and watch sheep. How hard can that be? Maybe, you know, take your rod and your staff and chase away an occasional wolf or something like that. Well, local shepherds were just seen as a step above lepers. They were despised. They were regarded as people under a ban by the Midrash. In fact, they were, or the Mishnah, they were regarded as thieves. The only reason that these flocks were so close is probably because they had an important job that went beyond them that um, most people, uh, if they did that job, they're doing it for some higher-up people. And that's what the shepherds were doing. They were holding probably the sacrificial animals for the temple and the temple sacrifices and worship. And the glorious news that it was, it was given to people who were a step above Lepers, locals, people who were unknown, despised, rejected, unspectacular in the eyes of the world. And they were the ones that were treated 
to the most dazzling ray of heavenly glory that other than the transfiguration of Jesus, they were given a step into the very glorious throne room. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. And later on, we see that there is not just one angel that appeared, but a multitude of heavenly hosts. First of all, you're, you're standing in the glory of the Lord. What is that? What does that look like? What is that? sound like? What are the senses? Your senses must be going on overload if you were to stand before the great glory of the Lord. I'm just thinking about like a whole host of dazzling, bright constellation of stars. You know, a lot of times I'm looking at that little tiny telescope and I'm trying to look and see one star uh, or two stars maybe in our Houston, um, in our Houston skyline. I can't see any. But in this case, the constellations would come to you. The constellation would be, in a sense, you would see exploding stars all around you. You would see light and illumination of purples and reds and oranges and blazing colors that you have never seen before. It would be akin to the greatest, the most beautiful sunset that you have ever seen. And that's what, what was the prophecy that was given to Zechariah, John the Baptist's um, uh, father, in which John the Baptist was going to announce what he called the sunrise from on high, which was the sun of the living God. The sunrise. Think about the time where you want to go see the sun and all of its splendor and its glory and beauty is in the morning. When the sun, the sun is not up, it's completely dark. And uh, I was able to do that with my sons uh, over September and go to, at a campsite and say, hey, well, let's, let's get up early. Let's, let's go and walk. Um, and so we got to see deer along the way, and then um, we got to go out to the, the part of the lake, and then we were able to just watch the beauty of that sun coming up through the clouds, giving purplish hues and pink hues and orange hues and everything, and it was just dazzling. Even my kids were enthralled by it. For about five seconds. Um, <laughs> they were more enthralled with, hey, what's that over there on the other side of the island? <laughs> but they were enthralled by it. That is akin to what you would see. And not only that, there's not only angels, but there's what the Bible says, multitudes, which is basically just numbers, multitudes of angels, of heavenly armies of angels far beyond what you can count, far beyond what you can see, beyond even your peripheral and even your, de your deepest and farthest vision would be able to let you see. That was the picture that was before you. And this is this incredible scene of every, in fact, some people would say and guess that every one of God's angels was there because this was center stage. This was the defining moment of our history. This is perhaps to be the, the never seen again until the final day in which the Lord Jesus Christ himself would join with the multitudes of not just only angels, but the multitude of Christ followers from every corner of the earth and that they would be coming together and singing to the Christ who reigns forever. You get this? This is the most amazing event in all the universe. 
And the heavenly host stretched from horizon to horizon. It'll be beautiful. And only that, the sounds you would hear. We see here from the text that there's a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Think about the sounds, the beauty of the music you will hear. I remember going back to a homeschool conference in the summer, and um, the lady was talking a little bit about, or the, the speaker was talking a little bit about how the, arts, um, how the arts should get us through some of the toughest times of our history. And she began to talk about historical examples of, of poetry and, and works of art and music. And man, she was just all into it. She was just saying, you got to give your children great music, not just the baby shark or just like the things that you hear on the radio, but give them a classical piece. Give them Brahms. Give them Bach. Give them an operatic singing. And, and she sang a bit, but there's, you know, she didn't really do justice to the opera. But thankfully, she began to connect with somebody in that workshop. And in that workshop, she somehow had a sense that, hey, this girl, she's clued in. I think this girl can sing. So she's like, you know what, hey, you're nodding in every single thing I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. Do you sing? And the lady was just like, yeah, you know, I used to sing. I was trained classically in music, and I went to uh, college, and, and I, was <laughs> I, I sang, you know, opera. And, and she's like, can you sing for us? And she's like, well, I don't know. I'm, you know, I've been rusty and all that stuff. But then, you know, while she was doing it, she was like, okay. <laughs> and then she starts singing. And, oh, man, Christine was there. I cannot tell you what she was saying, but it was beautiful. Her vibrato, her tone, the smoothness, the etherealness of what she was singing, I could have just listened to her all day. Unfortunately, she stopped because I think she forgot the words. But if somebody can, and I was just sat back, and you could just see tears in the teacher's eyes. I was tearing up, and I didn't even know what she was saying. And I was just like, this is beauty. If this is on a personal scale, can you imagine the grandeur of the eternal scale of the heavenly angels singing opera <laughs> to the living God, singing in a chorus line before God? Our God works through the unspectacular. Why would then, if this was the greatest, one of the greatest events other than the death and resurrection of Jesus, why would you give it to shepherds? Why would you want to give the front row to despised people? People who smell, stink like sheep. Why would you do that, God? And the angel brought good news of great joy. They were literally gospelizing them too. This was not just an announcement of anything. This was an announcement of a gospel, a new gospel. And when a new takeover of a government would come along, it was a sign of a takeover of a country. They would send out messengers throughout the farthest reaches of their land proclaiming the gospel of this new ruler. And so this is a, this is, and so they're announcing this changeover, this takeover, this governmental um, this kingdom that will come, that will last forever and will be unshakable. And here's a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
talk about anticlimactic, right? <laughs> a high and mighty king? Wouldn't you want to see a lustrous, um, a, a just row of medals in this king? Wouldn't you want to see, you know, a long history of service to his country? Wouldn't you want to see that he loves his family? Wouldn't you want to see all these things and all these deserve, uh, the things that they deserve and qualifications for this king that is to come and that is announcing this, in a sense, takeover or this change of government? No. This is going to be a baby. And he was not going to be wrapped in a robe, he's going to be wrapped in a swaddling cloth. He would not be on the move, but he will be in a manger. He would not be in a cathedral, but he would have an anthem of cows mooing at him in his stable. He would not be in a palace but he would be in a, sh- in a place literally like a shack. And this is where God, the Lord Jesus, chose to wrap himself in to show in an unspectacular way that he is the Messiah, the Savior, and the Lord. God shows his beauty to the unspectacular, and he shows up in the unspectacular. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this king that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. As the dust settled, as the luster of the glory of God faded, as the angels disappeared, the Lord gave them a vision of spectacular things. That's no doubt. But very quickly, the Lord was showing them the unspectacular work that they were called to do. And the shepherds didn't waste any time. In fact, they made themselves in haste uh, to go. And they didn't understand. They didn't really fully comprehend the sign. But they didn't question it, what they saw either. In fact, they were probably still processed because even in their uh, words to each other, they said, this thing that has happened, they didn't even know what to, to make of it. But which the Lord God had made known to us. When you receive a sense that the Lord is speaking to you through his word, and is applied um, as we pray, as we listen, as we confirm, as we ask others in the community to confirm or disprove those words. When you receive that, there is what follows unquestioned obedience. Doesn't mean we can't ask questions like Mary did. Doesn't mean that we can't ask questions of the text, but is it out of faith and not unbelief? Is it out of pride and arrogance? As Blake talked about, or as it, is it out of a desire to see God's power? But I'm going to tell you straight up right here, Luke chapter 2, in this sin, this will be a sign for you. You got to see that. That is just like pfft, deflation. 
What kind of sign is that? I'd rather have the sign that shows panoramic views of all the angels in all their splendor and illustrious glory. I would love to see heavenly hosts singing songs forever and a day. So imagine that to hear them say that this sign is going to be a baby in swaddling cloths. Come on, man. Nothing is more helpless than a newborn baby. We know that. Right now we're living in it with me and Christine and, and our baby son Micah as he's just seven weeks old. And we're just, we're just seeing him grow up before our very eyes. He's getting bigger, but now he's still and will be dependent on us for everything. You know, the only, he's, he's dependent on us for sleeping and feeding and burping and, um, and, and even exercising. And the only thing he does on his own is poop. <laughs> and surely, you know, there was nothing, and cry probably, I think. And there was nothing that, you know, that uh, ever registers for the contrary. And so, you know, yeah, he, he gurgles, he smiles. And sometimes it, he just wants to have a conversation. Uh, but I don't necessarily see that this is going to be my king. I'm not going to follow this baby. I'm not going to obey this baby. So imagine the letdown that they felt. But here in the, in the text, it doesn't say anything about any letdown. The shepherds quickly ran out over to Bethlehem. They were probably about a mile away, and so they were out of breath. And you can imagine them uh, just making sense of what they, what they just saw. And then they go ahead and meet, they meet Mary and Joseph, and they see the baby. And he's not even lying in an expensive crib and in a feeding trough for animals. Who is to say that this is the Messiah and this is the reigning king that the Old Testament had pictured? This is not the government takeover that they were picturing. This is not the great king who would be powerful and mighty as the prophets had hinted to. This was not even the level that countries handle a takeover of power. Where was the grand entrances? Where was the king of kings and the prophesied Messiah who would take away the scorn and the death and the oppression of the Romans? God, where is our spectacular king? That's how our God works. He works in the unspectacular in order to show his unsuspecting power. Because in his weak insignificant newborn baby boy was God in the flesh. You know, as the Christmas hymn says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. That's the power of God that is veiled in the weakness of human flesh and yet Jesus would grow up and he would be deity incognito and he would go on and rise up and defeat the satanic powers of this world and of evil and die for the sins of the world and then resurrect in all power and glory so that all who trust in Christ and turn away from living for themselves in their own kingdoms will live in a kingdom that will never end and never fade away. Jesus is the new government, and it would rest upon, the government would rest upon the shoulders of this unspectacular king that had made a spectacle of sin and evil and death. And God's going to do all that 
in the form of a helpless baby boy. Don't you just love that? And doesn't that just blow you away? Yeah, I was just thinking about it, that it really ties back to Micah chapter 5, 1 through 2, and talking about the birthplace of the Messiah. Um, and and, and we, we see that this birthplace that he comes with will be lowly. It'll be kind of a down and out town in Bethlehem. Would have no, um, uh, no knowledge or no um, uh, notoriety. But not only the place that he would come from would be lowly, it would be the people who share, he shares to will also be lowly because it reflects Jesus. He's gentle and lowly of heart. And the point of it is that he, it shows and foreshadows his work, that he would go on die on a, a brutal cross, and he'd be brutally killed and crucified. He would be the shepherd who would lay down his life after the sheep. And so what a beautiful picture of this, because this all points back to Jesus. This points back to the life and the death and the person of Jesus, even down to the circumstances surrounding his birth. In the same way that God speaks through the unspectacular to show his glory, we are also called to be weak and unspectacular and humble. Jesus uses the shepherds of his day, those who we don't know their name. They are the most unsuspecting and the most unspectacular people of this world because it was to point to the fact that himself, that as the shepherds were the first ones to witness Jesus' birth, it's fitting because Jesus said he himself would be the good shepherd that would take care and lay down his life for the sheep. And because of that, he would fend off the wolves, he would fend off um, enemies, he would even fight and destroy and vanquish the greatest arch enemy the devil himself, because he said, I am that good shepherd. My sheep know my voice, and I am the door of the sheep. And under that, there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus says, this is pointing to me because it's all about me but because I am lowly in hearts, I'm your shepherd. And I'm gonna use you because you're like the shepherds in this world. God uses the shepherds, what we see here, as the first missionaries. We see in chapter two, um, verses uh, 16, and when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. See, the shepherds were known for their evangelism, that they showed, and all those who had heard had wondered about what the shepherds had told them. And in fact, they were bold. They were, they were going out. And at, at the end, they were glorifying and praising God. And then God uses a virgin girl to be the mother of the Messiah. And, and we see this, that Mary treasures these words in her hearts. And then later on, Jesus is circumcised in fulfillment of the word the angels. He's called Jesus before he was conceived in the womb. This is how our God works he is unspectacular, God, and he delights in using unspectacular people to accomplish his glory. And I'm just so reminded because what a glimpse we had of that 
this past week of um, just hanging out with Chris and Keegan, and I know that many of our hopefuls also have as well, um, just to be able to um, serve um, some Afghan families, some of them whom had literally been here for two weeks, maybe a month or two months. And um, I brought Caleb and Joanna with me, um, and we were able to um, deliver some things from our care packages, but also uh, Lauren Hans also gave some things. And, um, we got, and we got out, and we went through this maze of apartments in Gulfton, and, um, and, and with clothes flying on the clotheslines, and kids, you know, playing with really broken down equipment. And uh, there was a swimming pool that was no longer a swimming pool anymore, and it was, just, it was just like a soccer field in the chain link fence, and it was dilapidated playgrounds. And then we went up three, three floors and we entered into an apartment and here we were welcomed. And get this here. We were welcomed by um, a man who had fled um, from Afghanistan um, literally about three months ago, landed here in two months and he had an extended family of eight brothers and sisters, um, some of them uh, ranging from like older 21 and then all the way down to his sisters that were like three or five years old or seven years old. And I was just... We were just so incredibly grateful. They shared two apartments. And the father who worked there had worked for the U.S. military. um, And that's one of the reasons why they were able to get over there uh, to the States. And he greeted us. Um, And they greeted us with encouraging, incredible hospitality. They, They had tea ready. They had all these, you know, chickpeas and nuts and macadamia nuts, all in these like really beautiful platters, like literally at the drop of a hat. And I thought we were serving them, but in reality, they were just serving us immediately because I was thinking to myself, would I open my door to strangers and much less bring them in, serve them tea, give them hospitality, and spend an hour and a half with these brothers and with the, or with these, with these friends? And I'm just like, man, this is, this is humbling. Here we were, we were strangers to their family. We were sitting among them on the couch and on the floor and sharing our different lives, what he had come out from. And also we were sharing a little bit of our lives and we got a, a picture of a little Christmas tree and it was on the wall. And, um, that led to me uh, being able to tell the story of the Christmas tree, but also kind of opened up some conversation. And um, Caleb and Joanna, um, they began to um, take out what they had from the care packages. They had stencils and uh, sketchbooks. And they began to just draw with the kids. And those two girls that were there, they were just really shy. But as, my, as I was watching my kids doing that, just drawing some pictures, they began to slowly open up and then they begin to, you know, draw some pictures, Christmas trees, um, and they just begin to enjoy that time. And that just opened up smiles, but also that opened up opportunities for us to be able to share about the great purpose in life, the purpose of following God and not reaching for the gods of success, materialism, but only trusting and following the purposes of God is gonna give us joy. But as I was watching them, I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm so grateful for this moment that I can work with my brothers, love these guys to death, love to see our church doing this, but just to be humbled and to know that God can use something as small as crayons for the kingdom of God. That's our God. He uses unspectacular and even the foolish things of the world to shame the wise 
to show his strength, to show his beauty, and to show Jesus. I'm praying that we would be able to do more of that as a church body. I'm praying that we would be able to do that as a family and even me as a personal family of just being able to just sit together with people from a different world, but to know that we're all part of this one world, part of this future great multitude of people who will be praising Jesus. I'll invite you to stand or sit or kneel, whatever you want to do. As we invite our, our worship team to come forward and just our um, prayer team to come forward. How's the Lord speaking to you today? Do you feel like you're unspectacular? And you feel like you have nothing to contribute other than just your crayons. God can use your crayons for the glory of God. I wanna encourage you to come up for prayer if that's what you're struggling with. Maybe if you've caught yourself in a lull of isolation and you're just desiring for the Lord to use you in powerful ways and you just want prayer over you just to break the gods of anxiety, break the gods of comfort, I want to love for you to come and pray. And of course, guests and covenant members, we'd love for you to pray in anything that we can uh, uh, lift up for you. It would be our honor and our joy. So as we come together, as we meditate on God's word, let's pray. And then we'll invite you all, uh, as the Lord leads, uh, to come and to pray. Together, let's, let's come to him. Father, thank you so much for your glory. God, thank you that you didn't show your glory in panoramic displays, but you showed it through a manger and a baby. And Lord, you're calling us to follow the way of the manger and the cross. You're calling us to be obedient and unspectacular. You're calling us to take our crayons and to be kingdom bearers and kingdom changers and world changers. Father, change our hearts today. If we are struggling with sadness or sin and we just wanna get away and out of those sinful cycles and we just need redemption, we need healing, Father, heal us. Father, if you need to break our pride, would you break our pride? Will you do whatever you want us to do because we're a group of broken people pursuing you and just wanting to be surrendered to everything you have for us. Thank you, Father. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name.